something supernatural happened to you at some point where you, as the scripture would say, move from death to life, move from Colossians, the, the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. And it's so important that you believe that and you know that that's a, a spiritual theological reality because that becomes the basis for how you live. You're listening to The Chopping Board, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Well, good morning. Actually, technically, we're recording this in the afternoon, but welcome back to The Chopping Block. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Oh, that's a new voice on the chopping block. As you may or may not know, a couple of my co-hosts are not with us this week. Pastor Andy is traveling to Laos, potentially as we speak, uh, to establish relationships over there for future mission work. And then uh, Zach Busick is, I believe, in Scotland. Is that correct? Scotland. Yes, they landed today in London. And Andy is currently on a plane to Denver for his first leg of the mission trip. Okay. With my husband, Jens. Jens. So I have what might be called, who, who might be called, not what, who might be called, the uh, glue to our staff, the Swiss Army knife, who can do anything, super gifted, Elin Terrell. Hold for applause. Hold for applause. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm kind of nervous to do this, to this podcast. It's kind of a big deal, big platform. So we'll see yeah. what I do. Yeah, I do think of myself as a big deal a lot. So I think I think I'm glad that you mentioned that. Now, Elaine, I think it would be just a disservice to our listeners if before we jumped into the new sermon series, if we didn't first get to know you just a moment. So if you were in service this week, Pastor Andy joked about my desire and love for tacos. I do love tacos. Mm-hmm. So in that vein, on the chopping block. Elin Terrell, will you give us your top three taco joints in Wichita, Kansas? Okay, top three, and this isn't in a particular order because I feel like it would do a disservice to these taco places. So this is just top three, no particular order. El Fagon, Mm. hole in the wall type place, cash only. El Jalisco, way down south by the turnpike. That's why you know it's good when it's by the turnpike. And then Los Pinos in Delano. I've only been to Los Pinos of those three, and it's really good. So to know that there's two in front of that is a big deal. And you really feel like you're, you know, a Wichita native, like you're a Wichitan when you can describe some of the off the beaten path places that you just did. So you're not saying, although I will, I know maybe it's a little mainstream right now, but uh, Taco TJ664 has become a big vibe for me. Just, mm. just I've not be been there yet, but okay. I, I hear good things. I'll, I'll try well, that next. We're glad to have you on the podcast this morning. And uh, we're talking about a new sermon series. I don't know. Well, no, yeah, we've done we've done a couple of shows, uh, episodes on First Peter. But we've been in First Peter for the last month. And Andy just preached on chapter 1, verse 23, or 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. And it's this great little passage that talks about how we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. 
Um, and really, Andy focused on being born again, this idea of new birth. And that's not the first time it comes up in First Peter. We talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, I think it's verse, yeah, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this is the second time already that Peter has used this language of new birth or be born again. And it's really kind of tied into all we've talked about from chapter 1 so far, which is this new identity that Peter's readers have in Christ. And Andy started by talking about how this idea or this phrase, born again, kind of has meant a lot of different things in the past. You know, uh, it's maybe meant a specific type of, of Christian or a specific stream of Christianity. It's for some people been a political term. For some people it's been just an old term. Um, but Elin, what first comes to mind when someone just says the word born again or the phrase born again to you? I think for me it's always been those kind of big tent revivals, like yeah. 60s, 70s. Particularly there's that scene, if anyone's seen the Elvis movie by Baz Luhrmann, there's that scene when Elvis is a little kid and he goes to one of these tent revivals and he kind of has this, I don't know if it's true or not, but in the movie it's a very dramatized kind of situation where he's feeling the spirit kind of moving around. And I, yeah, I mean, that's what I picture when I picture that, like real dramatic um, type scene where it's, you know. I agree. Yeah. No, so yeah. so I, I, I immediately thought of tent revivals mm-hmm. when when I heard it as well. And maybe just, I don't know, older, you know, I'm from the South. I kind of think Southern uh, language sometimes. I'm a born-again Christian. Uh, and in some ways, maybe it's thrown on flippantly at times uh, for, for either positive, funny reasons or negative reasons. But Andy kind of just out of the gate said, but, but to be clear, there's nothing, uh, there's no such thing as an unborn-again Christian in the New Testament. Um, that, that this is a reality that every Christian has experienced in, in, at one time. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been born again, whether you know exactly when that moment is or not. Um, because, you know, as, as Protestants, we really believe that justification happens in a moment, that when we whether we know exactly when that moment is, when we place our faith in Jesus, Jesus moves us from death to life. Uh, Andy kind of talked about it as when the lights came on. There was a, Even if it was like a dimmer, at some point the lights came on. Mm. So uh, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I don't know even your own experience when you would say, hey, I think this was when I was born again, when I uh, really the lights came on for me. How would you talk about that? Yeah, I'd probably say um, just as a kid growing up um, in this church, I kind of grew into my faith. There wasn't a moment where, I thought, oh, I feel this spirit. I feel, it's like I kind of made this decision, oh, I would like to be baptized. And I think since then it's just been more of an ongoing kind of growth. Um, yeah. But just recognizing the point of when do I want to give my life to Jesus. It would be when I was 12, um, I got baptized here. But since then it's just been um, kind of a ebb and flow, you know, your faith kind of gets challenged and 
yeah. you grow into it. And, and I mean, it, 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 even as I get older now, I'm finding it, I'm continuing to grow. Like everything is continuing to be enlightened by the scripture. Um, just new things I find out about the Lord and learn about him and his ways. And it's mm-hmm. always like amazing how, as you continue growing, like how all the different light bulbs comes on, come on. Um, I kind of, th- when you say light bulbs, I kind of think about Vic Gordon. Um, he used to be a pastor here, but he r- runs a gospel depth in- institute. Yeah. And he would encourage us by saying like, continue to be in the scriptures when you are, you'll see all these light bulbs just kind of go on and continue to um, kind of connect um, in ways that will amaze you. And, and it does like it's, yeah. yeah, as you continue growing, the Lord continues to captivate you. Yeah. That's really good. It makes me think of like, again, that dimmer idea that as the lights come up, you know, you see more and more in the room and more and more what's going on around you, uh, which is a really incredible experience. But, you know, maybe even what you said is important. You know, whether or not someone can remember a moment, right? Like a moment where you place your faith in Jesus, or maybe you have a dramatic, uh, dramatic might not be the best word, but, a, but a, yeah, a, a genuine dramatic experience where you were like living a certain lifestyle, you were heard the gospel, you repented, and then your life changed. Uh, and praise God for those stories. That's not everyone's mm-hmm. story. Uh, a lot of them are like gradual, like yours. But why is it important, even if you can't remember the moment, Elin, why is it important that you believe that you've had that moment, that you've been born again? Because I think that's an, I think it's a key idea for Peter in his letter so far. So why, whether or not you remember the moment, knowing that that was reality for you, you have been born again, why is that so key for us? Yeah, I think that becomes kind of the watershed moment, right? The hinge point of your life where, you know, I'm living this certain way now, I'm believing these certain things now the Lord captivates you, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you in your reference for the world, how you view the world, how you view, view life, like your perspective on on life and how you relate to to God and to others and to the world. It shifts because everything kind of gets switched to kind of the kingdom ethic, kind of God's standards, um, even if it's gradual, even as we learn, um, you know, how... God intended us to live as that gets revealed to us more and more Then more and more. We're constantly viewing those things in light of the gospel. Yeah. I would say. No, I agree completely. I think that um, that's why we, when we talk about city life, we, we want to assure you there was a moment, like whether or not you know it, there was a moment theologically, like mm-hmm. something to your point. I think you said this off air, maybe something supernatural happened to you at some point where you, as the scripture would say, move from death to life, move from Colossians, the, the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. And it's so important that you believe that and that you know that that's a, a spiritual theological reality because that becomes the basis for how you live mm-hmm. and for, um, you know, you use the word watershed moment and hinge. I think that's really good. For for you know this new you that chooses to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, so I think I think you know no matter what your experience is with the phrase "born again," you need to know that it's a that's a vital reality mm-hmm. of what Christ has done in you through the Holy Spirit, and it's it's it is the the catalyst for our growth for the rest of our lives. To your point. Well, what about you? You've asked me the question now. What about you? When was your yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm, I think I'm probably similar. You know, I grew up, 
I see how I grew I grew up in a church going family. Um, I think, you know, I was at a youth retreat re- weekend when I was in the seventh grade. It was a very typical fall retreat youth weekend. I don't remember everything the guy said, but I do remember that weekend thinking like, hey, I, I understand my sin and I really need a savior. And so I believe I placed my faith in Jesus there. But but then again, I would say not a lot changed about my life in middle school, junior high and high mm-hmm. school until a mentor in my senior year really just one of those gospel moments where someone's telling you what they think God has for your life. And, and it really hit in that moment. And I really feel like I tried to surrender that night, you know, so wherever it happened in there, it happened. Um, and, and I think college is when I really started to take off in my growth because I had an older man discipling me, but I, I, I think it was seventh grade. It's okay if it was senior year, but sometime in there, the light bulb came on, and I couldn't do anything else but follow Jesus, mm. which uh, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the things this conversation brought up, because the last couple of weeks, you know, I preached two weeks ago, and it was really on this idea of being holy as God is holy. Um, like in light of your, ident- your identity as born-again Christians who have this resurrected hope in Jesus, this is, this is how you should live. Because you've been redeemed, right? Verse 18, because you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, live as redeemed people. That's what Andy even uh, remarked this Sunday. And you have some of that even in this passage with live with sincere brotherly love, you know, put away all malice and and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. So, So, you know, I think one of the things we wrestle with as Christians, especially our theological maybe um, stream, which is really this uh, idea that we are saved by grace alone and justified by grace alone through faith alone, we always kind of wrestle with works and faith, right, and in, in, in kind of the intersection of that. And, and one thing we'll be really core in is, is you know, our works can't save us. Our, our, the, our way of life, our conduct cannot save us. I mean, that's what Andy said when he said what Jesus taught and he does this in, in John chapter 4, I think it's 4, with his, is that when Nick at night happens, Nicodemus? It's John 4, <laughs> maybe John 3. Um, but when Jesus taught that we need more than just external religious adherence or moral performance to enter God's kingdom, we need to be born again. So that's, that's, the, that's what we believe. But then we also know that Peter's call in the first chapter is real. It'd be holy as he is holy. Mm-hmm. So how do we balance as Christians a right view of our conduct, what we're called to, our lifestyle, whatever you want to call it? How, how do we balance that with not getting the gospel out of order, but also that there's a real call to pursue holiness? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a lot to kind of break down too, like trying to have that balance of like, oh, what does it mean to – like work out your salvation. Like we, yeah. God's already done the work. Jesus already right. done the work on the cross. What does that look like for us to work that out? Right. Um, I don't know if that answers your, your question, but just, just talking about kind of being like the dis- disciplines and um, as you grow in your faith, like you're not necessarily doing these things. You're not having quiet time. You're not doing um, Sabbath. You're not whatever, giving to the poor, like you're not doing that in order to earn. Right. You're doing that living out of response to. Right. 
So I think that's the difference too, rather than living in a way that I've got to strive for this. Mm -hmm. Like when we, as we studied Galatians last semester, you know, talking about striving for something, really that's not what God wants us to do. He actually wants us to rest in him and live out of response to what he's already done. I think that sounds easier said than done, but I think our responsibility of our spiritual growth has to be that we there. That's why there's disciplines that spiritual disciplines that, that are important to foster this, the spiritual life that we've been changed to live out. No. Yeah. That's so good. I think, I think you're right on that. um, It's not about earning, right? You said it's a response. And I think that's, that works really well with chapter one, right? Because when, when Peter changes his kind of argument to, Hey, this is how you should live. He starts with therefore, like, therefore it's a response to this new identity Mm -hmm. that you have. That's why when I preached a couple weeks ago, I was so big on like getting the order here is really important because if verse 15 and 16 to be holy as God is holy comes before verses 3 through 12, then I, mean, I feel out of luck. I feel like I know who I am, and I'm not sure I can live that up to that on my own, but it comes after verses 3 through 12. It comes after even what Peter says again in um, verse 23 that we've been born again by an imperishable word. Uh, so it's a response and it's a, uh, it's a resting to your point. And I think that's, that's what we've been trying to get at in some of the sermon series, even when we took what, what's really a, maybe a scary command, be holy as I'm holy and mm-hmm. said, Hey, if this new identity is true, then we can receive this as a promise and not a command. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that when, when we talked about that a couple weeks ago, if that's, that's a challenging thing to receive as a promise or um how you how you heard that yeah um yeah when you said that i really resonated with it when you said it's it actually brings freedom not mm-hmm. it's not supposed to meant to, it's not meant to be a burden yeah i think as you grow more and more in christ you see that holiness is freedom like god's asking you and desiring you to live out the life that he wants you to live out and i think the idea of holiness we've messed it up humanly like yeah kind of like self, you know, righteousness, like holier than thou type stuff. Like to say that you're holy would just really turn people away from you. But to say that you're holy means you are set apart by God to live for God. And that doesn't mean so-and-so is not part of that. It's just how you are responding to what the Lord's doing to you. And so I really was like, wow, that, you know, the idea of being holy as I'm holy it's not necessarily an unattainable thing. It's actually the Lord asking us and calling us to live more and more into the likeness of Christ. That's what it means. It's just until we get to glory, we're not going to be perfectly holy. You know, this growth of being, becoming more Christ. Like that's, that's kind of what I hear when we hear be holy as I'm holy. It's less daunting when you just actually think about just living into your Identity is God's right. child. There's right. not a burden to that. Like imagine like being a parent, right? You, you just want your child to be with you and hang out with you and right. and love you and be around, you know, like that. Yeah. I, I imagine God to be like that, like be like me. Like I, uh, I know what's good for you. I know it's flourishing for you. Just come and rest and you don't yeah. need to strive. It really changed my life, which I think I started to understand for the first time in college. It really changed my life when I started to view holiness like you're talking about rather than it's thing, it's just a bunch of things I do or don't do, right? Like I don't 
have sex before marriage. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't um, hang out with the wrong type of people. I don't curse. Um, I do these things. And again, there, there are biblical things there, right? There are wise things we shouldn't do. But when that's our view of holiness, a list of do's and don'ts, it just becomes a chain. And like, you know, that image of trying to push a boulder up a hill, like that's what holiness is. That's I, like it's my job to get this boulder up the hill, and that's when I'll become holy when I reach the top. And the reality mm-hmm. is we're never going to get to the top that way. Um, but when it changed to this idea that, no, like holy is something you already are in Christ. Mm-hmm. To your point, it is your identity and secure, right? Like, you know, something I try to help guys and gals think through all the time is like your security in Christ. Like, do you believe this this is like something that's unstable or something that we can really rest on. And, and to me, scripturally, it seems something that's really secure, assured for us in Jesus. And I think that's what Peter's getting at here of this, you know, born new birth into a living hope, a hope that's going to continue to be there um, so that it becomes where I'm just living into what I'm already am. Mm-hmm. I mean, it changed my life. And I'm not saying I do that well all the way, because sometimes a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts is simpler, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, I know I know what my checklist is. Yep. But there's no freedom there. And there's no real growth there. It's in fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um and living into what we talked about this week, the imperishable word. Uh, and tasting you know, verse three, I think it was verse uh three, longing for the pure or verse two, longing for the pure spiritual milk. And, and knowing that we've tasted the Lord is good. Like when you see that like growing is really about enjoying God, fixing your eyes on Jesus, l- believing that, that what he says about us is true. And maybe that's the hardest part for me. I don't know about you, but believing this is true. Mm-hmm. You know, he really does love me. Yeah, I really am a son of God. Um, and that changes it. And it becomes, and that's when you're free to live like him. Yeah, yeah. And also the idea of holiness, when I think of, I think of the Old Testament a lot, just mm-hmm. like God's constantly calling them to be holy, but only after he's rescued them, right? right? It's like he's done the work, but now he calls them to live in holiness. And I think when he says, hey, live in holiness, set yourselves apart, like don't mingle with the pagans, all this stuff. It's not because he, it's not because they're better than right. the pagans or the Canaanites, but it's actually so that they become a pleasing aroma to draw the nations to themselves mm. rather than an outward like, oh, we've got to be this way because we're God's people, period. Well, it's because God wants to draw people um, to that. But instead they did kind of the opposite. They kind of made holiness uh, legalistic or, and then they, you know, disobeyed the Lord. And I mean, it goes on and on and on, but it's right. like, I, I mean, we see ourselves in the Israelites and their patterns too. So it's hard to be, we shouldn't be hard on them. It's like the human condition, but sure. like, what is the purpose of our holiness? Well, it's to draw others to that holiness yeah. too. So that, yeah, I mean, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to read conduct your, I think this is verse 12, chapter two, verse 12, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Now there's a ton we can talk about there, but mm-hmm. the point is like, the good work, the role that good works for the Christian is so that others might see and glorify God. They might go, "Oh, that's what life is. That's where life is really found. That's what real freedom looks like." Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's what holiness looks like and glorify God. So I think you're right. The purpose of holiness is really key there. And, and we're, I think we're going to start getting that more even next week and next couple weeks. Cause I, I'm preaching on the kind of the identity of the church this week, which I'm excited about. But Elin, uh, you know, I think we may either need to just kick off Andy or Zach for good. You're so good this first time on the show. I'll see. I'll see what the, what the numbers look like <laughs> when it gets released. <laughs> well, I know for sure that Alphagone and uh, the other places you mentioned are going to see a, a jump in their sales because okay. of this podcast. Okay. So Alphagone, though, cash only, everyone. Cash only. Don't forget. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we really do hope this is a helpful time for you. We just want to be have honest conversations about the scriptures. Uh, we'll catch you next week. If you want to find out more about City Life Church, or if you have any questions about the kind of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card, and we'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.